Welcome back to the 4A Baseball Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We just went through a fun weekend of baseball where there's a couple upsets, a couple things that happened that should have happened, some no more Yankee Blue Jay drama. The Blue Jays decided to go in and lose to a different American League East team. And we've got a couple fun things coming up this week, a couple big series going on. I'm with Steps today. Tom's still out of town. How you doing today, Steve? I'm excited to talk baseball, right? Um, like Brad said, a lot of, a lot of fun storylines that have kind of been happening across the league. Um, and we got a lot to talk about. So first of all, I just found out this horrible, awful news that Eric Lauer has been pa- placed on the 15-day IL with a right shoulder impingement. Uh, interesting, considering that he throws left-handed. So he hasn't been great this season. I feel like uh, my Cy Lauer campaign is not aging very well. But uh, I mean, I think we knew it wasn't going to age well, in all honesty. But you know, you, you stuck to your guns, and that's what matters. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I really do hope the best for the for him and the rest of the Brewers. <laughs> the Brewers kind of had a rough outing last night with Corbin Burns, my Cy Young pick, getting shelled by the Houston Astros. Uh, Milwaukee and Pittsburgh are currently tied in first place in the NL Central, the NL Mid, uh, with both teams being three games above 500. They would not be first in either of the other National League divisions. So. Yeah. Cardinals have been pretty hot. What do you think about the Cardinals recently? I mean, I think they're putting the pieces together. I, I, I still don't think they're going to be competitive within, like, the postseason, right? I mean, they're 7-3 in their last 10. They actually have a positive run differential at this point in time. But, uh, again, I just – even if they do make the postseason, I don't – unless they make a trade for a pitcher, like you've talked about, I don't think – they're gonna be any competitive in the postseason at all. They have the bats the whole season. They've had the bats. They just don't have the bullpen or just the pitching staff in general, and that's what they need. Recently, Jack Flaherty's been pretty good in his last two starts. He had a really good start against has the he, Dodgers. Most has he had command? Has he had command in his last couple outings? Yeah, he's got. He's had command, and he's getting whiffs. So that's a that's a pretty good combo, if you ask me. He went seven innings scoreless against the Milwaukee Brewers. He did allow three over four and two thirds versus the Dodgers. Uh, that's where the walk kind of came back, but he looked very good until his fifth inning. So maybe he'll be okay there. He, had, he allowed 10 runs at the beginning of the month against the Angels. So they need him to get his stuff back together. The Cardinals as a whole, they have performed very well. They're, they are 11 and five in their past 16, putting them just five games out of first place in the NL central, which is a very winnable division. Honestly, just looking at the standings, any team can win that division, but there's really four teams that could come away with it. I mean, yeah, uh, I, again, I, I don't think the reds are going to be in that mix. I think honestly, I think Pittsburgh's going to fall out. I don't think they're going to really be in the mix, even if they are, have a very good run differential, relatively speaking, uh, for the Pirates. Um, I, I think they're going to fall off soon, um, and we've kind of already seen the regression. They're four and six in their last ten, but and even with that, they were off to that scorching hot start where they were they were one of the last teams in baseball to get to ten losses, and yeah. now they're three games above five hundred. The Pittsburgh Pirates they have regressed. Do you remember the bet that you, Tom, and I had? Would they reach 81 and 81? Yeah. You want to revisit that? Might as well, right? I could still see it, right? I just don't – I don't think they will. I could see it. I don't think they will. 
Okay. I think they'll. I, I think. I think I said there were going to be a couple games under one hundred or under five hundred last last time we did this. So I, I'm still going to stick with that. I think they're going to be like seventy seven ish around that ballpark. And that's still a great. That's a step in the right it direction is. for this team, who was horrible last year. They were and most likely going to get Dylan Cruz this year. That's again. We can talk about the draft a little bit when it gets closer because I could go on a whole spiel about it, but. If they get Dylan Cruz, he's a college kid. He'll he'll be twenty one at the time of draft. So he's in the draft this year. They take him. Hopefully, he's up by September next year. See a quick turnaround, and that'd be really good. It's Pittsburgh yeah, Pirates. We, so we got it'd be Reynolds, Swinski, and and Cruz in the outfield. And that's a that's a pretty good outfield. Yeah, and they'd have Cruz and Cruz, but one spelled Cruz and one spelled Cruz. Uh, exactly. So that does bring up an interesting point of the Pirates are a pretty solid team right now. Obviously not – you don't think them to be a playoff contender, but this does seem like a team that with a couple acquisitions in the offseason could be pushing for a wild card spot next year. With that said, do you think they make any trade deadline selling – like do they sell at the trade deadline? I mean if like – if their pieces that were doing well – and when they were really, really hot, continued to at least be above average, I could see them trying to make some sort of deals. Cause like Rich Hill and Vinny, Vinny Velo aren't really going to be like long-term pieces, right? They need to get pitching and that's because they, who's their top Quinn Priester. Isn't that like their top pitching prospect? I think so. I'll check right now. Um, But like, and he's not that good of a pitching prospect in all reality. Right. So you want, you want somebody that's you need you need depth it more than like because you're not going to get an a tier pitching prospect for 40 year old rich hill and, and Vinny velo so if you go out and trade them try and get some depth in, in the pitching department that's extremely helpful so it almost seems like if there is a really good starting pitcher in the draft that they could take in the first round, it would make sense if there wasn't like a generational player. That's the number one pick. Or if you Um, could trade, imagine if you could trade like draft picks kind of like they, I think you should be able to do that. There's just so many. That's the issue. Cause like imagine trading like a 17th round draft pick. But I guess like, that could be like you are able to, like guys come from those rounds mainly like I mean, the yeah. higher the round the higher the probability that they're actually a pretty decent player. But like it could make sense because Tom was asking earlier about like trading for Brent Suter from the Rockies. Like yeah, I'll give you a ninth and a twelfth round for Brent Suter. Didn't wasn't there something in the the agreement that that was like coming or that they were at least going to talk about that? I I swear I saw something that they were going to talk about trading draft picks. I don't necessarily know if it was the draft pick trade, but I know they were looking to do an international draft. And if they got ah. an international draft done, it was it had to have been done by last August. If they had gotten it done, they would have gotten rid of, rid of the qualifying offer. Okay. I, I, I again, I, I like, because, I mean, the issue with, like, trading draft picks, right, is, like, in the NFL or the NBA, right, like, you have these, like, blockbuster trades, like the, the Russell Westbrook or the James Harden trade uh, when he was sent from Houston to Brooklyn. They sent over, like, five draft picks, right? And you don't – you never, like, revisit them. You're like, oh, it's James Harden for five first-round picks, two of which are pick swaps or whatever, right? And then it's been, like, five years. It's been three, but whatever. It's been, like, you all those picks go away, and no one's ever, like, 
hey, it was actually James Harden for player X, Y, Z, and one and two. So that's the issue with that, in my opinion, is because everyone judges the trade at the time that it happens when you need to go back and revisit it. But I don't know. I could see I could see it going both ways. Um, I would I would like that because I think it'd be funny to like, okay, we're gonna trade you uh, Wilmer Defoe for your twentieth round draft pick, and then you're like, you're the guy that got traded for a twentieth round draft pick. Which isn't worse. It's not bad, but it's just be funny. And I feel like with that though, there might be an issue of not as much prospect movement. So as a like a Nolan Jones, who was a outfielder for the Cleveland Guardians. He was a prospect for them, didn't really succeed, and they DFA'd him, traded him to the Rockies, right? I feel like if a team has the ability to trade late-round draft picks as opposed to prospects, they yeah. might be more likely to hold on to prospects who should have an opportunity somewhere in MLB. But then again, that might emphasize the importance of the Rule 5 draft, where if you have individuals that are kept in the minor leagues for too long, like a 20 or someone that signed at like 22 is kept in there through age 27 or something, and they haven't been added to the 40 man, they're available to be drafted in rule five. You get taken by a team in the rule five. You have to be on that team's 26 man roster that entire season or offered back to the original organization. Yeah. I, I, I actually, I see that point really well. Yeah. I, 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 the rule five draft is something that's always been extremely interesting to me. Like, because it gives it gives these players like the Nats this year. Thaddeus Ward has gotten an opportunity with Washington Nationals. They didn't get with the Red Sox, right? And I I like seeing that. Like, especially in MLB the Show. I think I got who I'm trying to remember who it was. I got I got a player, and he turned out to like be like an A pro or A potential, and I like turned him into like this great relief pitcher. So like, it, there's always gems in other organizations that don't get a shot because of whatever reason, right? And they get a shot on this other team. So, like, there have been big names that have been stolen from the Rule 5. Like, the Pirates got Roberto Clemente from, shockingly, the Dodgers. Um, This is back (laughs) in 1954. R.A. Dickey was a Rule 5 guy. Shane Victorino, Johan Santana, uh, Jose Bautista. Those are just some big names that, like, hey, these guys come from the Rule 5 draft. So maybe if they don't have an opportunity with one team, they will succeed with another. Yeah, this we're, we can go down a rabbit hole with with the whole trading draft cap, trading draft capital, and then trading draft or prospect capital, and then rule five. Like, there's there's so many avenues. Like, it's like a butterfly effect. If you just change one thing slightly, everything else gets affected. You probably have to switch up how contracts are structured for minor leaguers and stuff like that as well. Possibly, but you could also think of it as like in the Juan Soto trade, right? Would you have wanted Robert Hassel or like a fourth round pick? I would probably rather a fourth round pick because I I don't think Robert House is going to be that good. So that's something that's pretty interesting in all honesty because you could have these big star-studded trades like Shohei Otani, right? If no one wants to cough up pitching prospects from at the deadline, you can be like, hey, here's our 2023 round two, our 24 round two. I don't think you'd take round twos for Shohei. You'd ask for first. I remember saying, it is a rental. I know, but I would. I think you would get for for a rental of Shohei, plus pretty much first dibs at him. You'd get, I'd say, two firsts, probably a second, and you'd get some C tier prospect. 
pitching prospect. You see, what, what would be interesting? What would be interesting, right, is a team like the Dodgers or Mets who don't have like a regular first round, they have comp round picks this year, yeah. they could try and trade into it. That is true. Like say that the Eddie Leonard, a Dodgers prospect, right, they didn't really find use for him because they decided to go trade for Tim Anderson, extended him, now we don't need Eddie Leonard, right? We go and trade him and one other for a first round pick this year, right? Now that completely restructures the draft and how – organizations like the Ashers, the Braves could be able to go in and still have the benefits of the first round or get multiple first round picks. Like imagine the Orioles this year had multiple first rounds. I mean, yeah, the, the Orioles are in a good spot too, but that's, yeah, I, I'm trying to process. They really need a starting pitcher though. So I wonder really? if that's going to be from a college starting pitcher, even though it's not too deep this year. Maybe they look like a Rhett Lauder or Hurston Waldrip. Or like they really visit the free agent market this year or tried for uh, Water Rodriguez at the Tigers, something of that nature. They they need to they need to do something because they're they're really they need to do something at the deadline, I think, because they're gonna be competing this year. I'm not saying sell the farm for a top pitching for a top pitcher this year mm-hmm. but if you go out and get somebody that's halfway decent to go along with Kyle Gibson and and great Grayson Rodriguez then you can get that third wheel or even he'd probably be second or first wheel right and then go out and get somebody at um over the free agency mm-hmm. like imagine like you go out and get an Eduardo Rodriguez right so you have Eduardo Rodriguez Kyle Gibson and then Grayson Rodriguez, and you go out and sign like Luis Arias this off season. Like that's a pretty good. Did I say Luis Arias. Yeah, I meant I meant Julio Arias. Um, and you get those four. That's that's actually a pretty good starting four. You just need to fill up fifth guy, but it's not bad. Yeah, and they definitely need to work on trying to extend their younger guys. Like maybe they could get Cedric Mullins to a good contract, something maybe a little bit lesser, or very similar to Brian Reynolds' contract. Um, Adley Rushman, need, of course. You need, you need to sign Adley Rushman before he starts taking off. The issue with him. signing him is he's a catcher, and you don't know how that of like how I, that ages. I wouldn't care. Uh, he's he's the way he's looked. He's even if he's his legs give out and he can't catch, shove him at DH. He'll be fine, or at first base even. Joe Mauer. Yeah. Um, speaking of Julio Rios, he is not having quite the contract year he is sporting a mid fours era he's just taking a trip to the il with a hamstring issue so maybe the orioles who may not be as inclined to spend large amounts of money will have a little bit more of a discount on him i still think he'll make a good chunk of change after this season because given his track record his postseason success everything like that i think he'll be okay yeah but it'd be interesting especially like the Orioles right now, they're the second-best team in baseball by record. They're the only other team besides the Tampa Bay Rays in the American League with 30 wins. The Dodgers are the only team in the National League with 30 wins. Like, right now, they're the four seed. They have a genuine... Do you think Baltimore can catch Tampa? There's only three games back right now. The thing is, Tampa could pitch circles around Baltimore. That's true, but I'm saying record-wise. Like, do you think they can catch them and, and win the AL East at this point in time? I don't think so. Just because okay. I think the regression of their starting pitching, like we talked about it last time, like five of their six bottom percentile expected WOBAs were their starting pitchers. 
Like Grayson yeah. Rodriguez hasn't been great. He had a really good outing last time he was out until he got caught in the fifth inning uh, by a George Springer home run. But he showed signs of life, but he hasn't been good yet. He's sporting a, a six ERA on the year. Kyle Gibson's your ace. Like that's not who you run into a postseason with. So given how subpar their pitching is, I don't think they can catch the Rays simply on the fact if, if you shut them down, they're probably not going to beat you. Sorry, I was just I looked at the run differential and they have a plus one twenty six run differential. And then I saw the Rangers with a plus one oh six. I don't I don't think I the Rangers are pretty good. The Rangers are very good in all honesty. <laughs> and it actually seems like there's gonna be a competition for the AL West, which will probably end up in the Astros winning it. Well I mean, we kind of expected that. We just expected it to be the Mariners, not the Rangers. Yeah, that's fair. And, and the, the Mariners have been are... severely disappointing. They are almost at 500 again because they do have a series versus the Astros or the Athletics right so, now. They're 23 and 24. Their home record is 11 and 12. Their away record is 12 and 12. And they're 5 and 5 in their last 10. They're about as mediocre as you can get. That's disappointing because I thought they would be a fun team. <laughs> it's nice to see the Astros above 500, but the thing with them is they're in the American League, so just being above 500 doesn't bode you a playoff spot because as it yeah. stands right now for the American League, three American League East teams, the Rays, Orioles, and Yankees, the Twins, the Athletics, no, not the Athletics, the Athletics are not in a playoff spot. The Astros and the Rangers are your playoff teams in the National League, or American League. Wow, good job. Um and I don't think the Rangers are a poor team, but the Astros are 9-1 in their last 10. They're won eight in a row, and they're knocking on the door of the Texas Rangers, who are 11 games above 500. Yeah. Altuve's back, right? Yep. He hasn't been great okay. so far. Well, I mean, it's been a week, and he had a broken hand, so it's fine. Um, yeah. Okay. When When does Oakland move to Vegas? Is that is that next year or is, will it be the following year? Because like, uh, do you think they're gonna do you think they're gonna wait for the stadium to be done, or are they gonna like go to the minor league stadium and play there for like? Where a do season? you put the minor league team? I don't know. See, I feel like they they just straight up gave up on Oakland. I think there's still a market there, but it really just looks like they're going towards. It, I I think I I do think there's a market there, but I don't think the the officials really care to give them the money to rebuild the state. That was their that was their number one want. I don't think it's also it that it's also the owner there. doesn't want to invest. They want the money from the outside. That's fair. And that's why everyone's calling for Fisher to sell the team. Yeah. So honestly, I think 2025, just because I don't think it can happen next year. Okay. Maybe they they play a split schedule. Like, you remember a couple years ago yeah. when the Rays were rumored to split their time in, like, Montreal? With, with Montreal. Yeah, yeah maybe they do, like, half Vegas, half Oakland. Because right now, they're, I think there was a stat that came out that every single AAA team outsold the athletics on a weekend night at some point. Well, I saw a thing, and it was, like, in the past, like, 20 years, there has been, like, 20 games under or the past like five years like there's been like 20 games that have been like under 5,000 or 3,000 or whatever right and 12 of them are Oakland nor the other other Miami I don't I don't remember but no. it, I, I remember I saw it like a week I don't think they said I just I think they just said oh, it was Oakland and that's 
12 out of 20 is Oakland. Like that's it's it's bad. It's because you're not putting a good 10 and 39. 10 and 39. 10 and 39. Okay. One more game lost and they're 10 and 40. That is a 20% of the games they play, they have won. 20% of 162 is 32 wins. They probably will be the worst team in baseball history. I think so. It's the 2003 Detroit Tigers. I think they went 43 and 119. I think that holds the modern era record. So I don't know if you call that a record, but it's unbelievable. I don't know if you call that a record. Sorry. Uh... (laughs) It's true. Like, you're going to go braggadocious about the fact, yeah, we lost the most games in MLB history. So right now I'm looking at 2003, 43, and 119 was Detroit. I'm looking, and right now, based on, they would be third. And the, what about the modern era? In the modern era, they'd be, they'd be first. Because oh. the number number one is the Cleveland Spiders. Right. 1899, 2134. Chasing the Spiders. Know. And then Pittsburgh, I don't even know how to say that. Allegheny, Alleghenies. Allegheny is in the river. Is it really? Yeah, uh, the river that goes right by there. PNC. No, uh, 18, 1890, uh, 23 and 113, and then Oakland at 10 and 39 in partial season. So even in 2020, no team was that bad. Yeah. Like, the it worst might team exclude in... 2020. I'm trying to see. I'm no, the, I'm, I'm on the 2020. Oh, okay. That's right now. The worst team was the Pirates, and they were on pace for 51 wins, which is Pittsburgh, not good, but... Pittsburgh is 49th out of 50 on this list. Okay. So, the 2020 team. Yeah. Like, the Dodgers were on a historic pace that season, but... The Royals are on 22 on this. <laughs> this one? The current one? This year. Oh yeah, 1435. Okay. It, uh, this has another thing of circling back to the draft because the Royals have a top <laughs> 10 pick, right? They're likely going to go for one of the many shortstops in the draft Jacob Gonzalez, uh, the Wilson kid out of GC. Does it, yeah, it's GCU. Um, there's a shortstop in high school from Strawberry Crest that they're linked to. <laughs> so <sighs> they're. Oh, my God. Okay, so the Athletics have the sixth overall pick. The Royals have the eighth. Don't quote me on that. But, like, these are two teams that, instead of maybe trading their guys away for, you know, slapdick prospects, <clears throat> the Braves stealing everyone from them, they go and try and steal first-rounders. Yeah. Because would you rather have gotten Kyle Muller, Shea Langoliers, those guys – from the Braves, who are prospects that don't have absolute Ooh. ceilings, or yeah. the Braves, who probably have the 27th overall pick in the first round. Well, how is how is their Oakland scouting department? Is it good? The Oakland A's front office is comprised of so, four individuals. So, 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 okay, so then it comes down to, would you rather trust your scouting department or trust your your talent development. 
which which would you rather trust? And with Oakland, I don't know if I would rather trust either. The thing is, they can okay. To Oakland's somehow credit, they are okay at developing players. Okay, so I think I'd I'd trust who's a good a team with a good scouting department in Atlanta grabs yeah. and is, gives me. And then I, if I have a decent development system, I could then develop them, right? But yeah. if my my scouts are atrocious, which again, don't quote me on this. I don't know Oakland's scouting where they rank, right? Mm. But if my scouting is atrocious and the Atlanta Brave scouting is good, I'm gonna trust their scouts and I'm gonna trust my player development, and it's a decent pairing, right? And it is because the former Braves head of scouting, uh, Dana Brown. Now the general manager of the Houston Astros, he's the one that, you know, got Michael Harris, Spencer Strider, all these guys. So maybe if you could have reaped from him, sure, go for it. But I don't think the Braves are stupid enough to let go of people like that. Good job, Oakland. You guys suck. Royals, you guys all Yeah, they're they have they could go literally anywhere with that pick because the top five are pretty much universal. It's just, just a matter of order. Yeah. And I, then, I feel like the the pirate should draft Paul Keen. No. Yep. No. I think they should do it, Brad. The thing is, right? <laughs> I don't want to get too much into the draft, but I'm going to do it. And in any other draft, 1A and 1B are Cruz and Langford. Like, Langford is very, very solid. Skeens is not better than either of them, contrary to popular belief. But Paul Skeens has been very good this year, and the Nats need a starting pitcher. The Pirates need a starting pitcher. The Tigers need a starting pitcher. So I I think the thing is, right, it's going to be – the Nats are – because Pittsburgh's not dumb. They're going to go with Cruz. He's the slam dunk number one pick. The Nats are going to be the one that's going to do it because he pitches and is very similar to Steven Strasburg. And it's a pitcher we all know too well. And the Washington Nationals organization knows all too well. And so they kind of know how to develop that type of pitcher. Even, you know, Steven Strasburg was a generational pitcher when he came up. But we don't talk about that. uh, It's going to be the Nats. The Nats are going to pick schemes, which sucks. But uh, Washington fans are apparently really excited about it. And it's a move. It's it, okay. Skeens is not a bad player by any stretch of the imagination, right? It's just a matter of right fit, right? Mm-hmm. Like in the NFL draft, like the Panthers picked Bryce Young. Whatever quarterback got drafted, the Panthers or the Texans were in the best situation because they already had no line, they already had receivers, blah, 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 whatever. It's a matter of fit. Nats don't have the fit right now for him. We don't have the coaching staff, we don't have the, the development team. We need to undergo the changes that we need to undergo, and then drafting a guy like Paul Skeen is a great idea, which is not at this point in time. No, no, that's true, and it kind of brings – like it's something I had to think about a little bit was what are your thoughts on the idea of like teams trading for the future? As in, hey, we have an abundance of outfield prospects, right, or we have an abundance of pitching prospects, but we really don't have anyone coming up who's a third baseman, a, a right fielder, something like that, and trying to trade good prospects for one another. Like, hey, we want your guy. We have a guy you want. We're going to swap him. 
I mean, I would, I would like, because again, like the Nets have a thousand outfield prospects. Like you got Elijah Green, Robert Hassel, James Wood, uh, Christian Vaquero. I'm out of names. Um, but we got, we got a couple good prospects, right? And they're coming up. We also have guys up already that are playing decently well. I mean, Lane Thomas, Alex Call, Victor Robles, they're okay. They're not anything crazy, anything special, right? But I, I would like that, right? Because I could trade Robert Hassel for, like, a quality, like, first baseman. I would like that. Because first base, I think, is honestly – I mean, obviously, we have weak points all over the field. But from a developmental standpoint, I think first base is probably our, our – weakest link because i'm pretty sure we moved this tj white i think we moved tj white he is an outfield prospect i think we moved him to first base because he wanted to try and get up sooner um which again isn't a bad idea it's just a matter of can he do it the jump from outfield to first base is is do you think that's probably one of the more difficult ones no i think that's like in my opinion i think that's kind of difficult because like from like from like third, first, or from like from like the rest of the infield, I feel like that's pretty easy. I'm not including catcher in this, so I'd say outfield to to first base is probably one of the harder ones. I mean, I think that going to first base is probably one of the easier transitions. I mean, it yeah. is very difficult, like changing from being like a fly ball, long ground ball oriented fielder to someone that's seeing hard hit ground balls pretty constantly, having to rely on receiving throws in the first place. Yeah. Um, like that is interesting. You mentioned TJ White uh, via MLB Pipeline, the number ten ranked prospect, the Nationals. He's an A plus ball, so you don't really know. I mean, yeah. Again, like I said, Nats Nats most position of need is first base. After having a generational type of or a franchise first baseman for the past half past two decades, but. Mm. Oh, and then you've like the the Nats' future looks pretty good. Looking at the top 100, right? Like we've got outfielder, third base, outfielder, shortstop, shortstop, third base, shortstop, right-handed pitcher, outfield, shortstop, outfield, right-handed pitcher. There's not a huge abundance of pitching in the top 10. You go down a little bit, and then we start to get more. Yeah. So I don't know. It's difficult. I don't know. I if I'm trying to because you you look at it right, and there's like a lot of like we got to figure out a way to to mediate like the international circuit, right? Because I I don't know. You talk we talked about the international draft, right? I I think that is a that's a good idea because there's so many teams like like the Nats have got the the Nats go that way a lot when they try and pick up players. Like we got we got Christian Vaquero, who was the top international prospect last year we got a really good international prospect this year we picked up Ilian Soto this year that's how we got Juan Soto in the first place right Mm -hmm. the Dodgers get a bunch of international prospects right so it's a very very good source of of high potential players but it's just a matter of I think the draft would be good but then it comes down to how do we create the draft order and I don't know I I now that I say it, I see it as a double-edged sword because I see both sides of the argument now. Because, like, now everyone has an opportunity to go after that type of player. But also, the bigger market teams are more likely to sign those types of players. So, the idea head. was pushed by, um, by, by MLB, and it was explored. 
And they asked David Ortiz in early 2022 some questions about what his thoughts are. Obviously, he came from the International Free Agency, MLB Hall of Famer now. And he had he's not fundamentally opposed to this idea, but he's worried about how quickly it was implemented. Because basically, he was saying that the Dominican Republic would not be ready for it. And you can't just snap your finger and everything goes how it's supposed to, especially in the Dominican with a weaker infrastructure. So like the organizations will go and create economies for these local cities. They'll create a, a baseball facility. And he says that baseball is such a big thing, the Dominican, it keeps kids off the streets and we don't want that to walk away from us. We want it to get better. And he doesn't want basically kids to have to go organizationally he's saying that and and at the end of the day i don't want those kids to be affected by it i already played baseball i had a career i care about the kids being treated right and baseball is the secret weapons of the dominican economy if you talk about a draft here in the states you have choices you can do football basketball you don't have choices dominican has baseball to make your way out that's it you have to be careful yeah that's i mean again david ortiz knows from firsthand he knows firsthand experience from being a mentor and from being an actual player himself and growing up that way so i think if i'm going to trust anyone probably going to be trust his word um he knows what he's talking about so yeah and i understand the concept of a international draft it's not like it's not a radical idea it's just that you're going to as david ortiz said you're going to hurt local economies and I th and teams are allotted specific international bonuses. If you remember the punishments for the Astro sign scaling scandal, they got punished in the international market, and that's huge for them. Look at their starting rotation. Look at their stars: Jordan Alvarez, Framber Valdez, uh, which is his name, Christian Javier, Luis Garcia, Jose Arcidi. Like these are yeah. all international guys. So teams will get their certain allotments of what they can spend. It is on the organization to go out, scout these guys, recruit these guys. Because if you have a budget, cool, orient your budget at the guy you want the most, that you find most effective. Because if you're a team like the Nationals, you guys had a huge international haul in 2022 uh, when the Padres got Ethan Salas, right? You don't have to go get all those guys. If you want Ethan Salas, go spend your money on him and portion the rest out to what you want to spend it on. So it's not a issue of these big market, small market teams. It's the capabilities of these teams are doing. Like the Tampa Bay Rays have one of the lowest payrolls in baseball, and what they do is fantastic. Yeah. So in, in the lovely Field of Dreams quote, if you build it, they will come. Um, I, yeah, I guess you, you do make fair points, and – I, I think it is something – I think it was something worth exploring. Um, I don't – again, I don't know if it is the correct choice or not. And based upon what David Ortiz says and what we've talked about, I don't know if it is. But I definitely think it's something that needs to be explored. Um, and they have. So. And then just moving on, final discussion I'd like to have is there's a, some really big series going on right now. Uh, the Dodgers Braves are going on right now for that kind of sets first in the National League. It's also just a good test for both teams. The White Sox and Guardians for who can stay afloat in the AL Central. Pirates and Rangers, 
Rays, Blue Jays. Blue Jays is an interesting one because they just lost the series to the Yankees. They just lost the series to the Orioles, right? They are bottom of the American League East, three and seven in their last 10, nine and a half games behind the Rays. How important is this series for the, for the Toronto Blue Jays? I mean, it, it feels pretty important at this point in time, right? Uh, again, they're your bottom. Your bottom at the, again, it's the ALE, so it's like the hardest division, but your bottom and you can't stay down there. Um, it, it, yeah, no, it's pretty important. I don't think, I don't think there's any way you can kind of work around that. It's also the fact that if they win these games, they are giving themselves more reach for the first place in this division. Yeah. Because I mean, every I mean, Blue Jays win is a raise loss. Yeah. And I, every time that happens, the Blue Jays get a game closer to first. Yeah. But I, again, we talked about it earlier. I don't think anyone's going to catch the Rays. Um, Orioles also play the Yankees. That is that is also another interesting series that I wanted to talk about because it's kind of a test of two teams whose starting rotations outside of Garrett Cole, who I believe is going tonight versus uh, Kyle Bradish. Did I get that right? Did I get that right? Okay. I got it right. Okay. Yeah. So you have that. You have the following day. It is where is it? Tyler Wells versus Nestor Cortez. Like this is a series on paper that the Yankees should win based on starting pitcher matchups. You have Clark Schmidt versus Kyle Gibson. Maybe not that one. Um, this is a huge series for the Yankees and the Orioles because the Orioles win this. They are putting say the Orioles win two of three, right? Winning two of three puts them up four games on the New York Yankees. Yeah. Creates a separation between them and the rest of the division by a minimum of four games. Because right now the Angels are playing the Red Sox. Last night the Angels like barely snuck out a win. It, it could go either way because the Angels have the rest of the series versus the Red Sox today. Uh, let's see who's on the bump for both of them. It's Griffin Canning versus Brian Bay, who had a really good outing last time. Maybe starting to turn it around a little bit. But the Red Sox, they have been outperforming what everyone expected them to be. They're still not great at allowing runs, which, again, exactly where everyone expected them to be. But the AL East is confusing. The AL East is, is honestly uh, it's surprise. It's not surprising how good the AL East is. I, it's just top to bottom, just quality teams, not all the way around, right? So, like again, like we talked about, Baltimore has the hitting, doesn't really have the pitching. There's there's flaws in every single one of these teams. Um, it's just a matter of can they no, weather those flaws? I don't think the Rays have a flaw. I mean, their pitching staff's pretty hurt. That's pretty much what their flaw is. Yeah, their their flaw is not anything baseball related. It's their injury. flaw. That's that's that. It's baseball related. Injuries are baseball related. If they weren't baseball related, though, like when what was it? Was it Bumgarner got hurt with the dirt bike? <laughs> <laughs> Trevor Bauer with the drone in the World Series. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, each of each of these teams have flaws, whether they are baseball related or not. It's just a matter of can they weather those flaws and win out the American League East and be fully healthy by postseason. Brad? The Athletics have the worst runs allowed in Major League Baseball with 355. Who's that puts second? them 
It's the Royals who have 89 less runs allowed. Okay. So after today's game, the Athletics will have played 50 games, right? So if we go 162 divided by 50, we get 3.24. 3.24 times what? How many runs have they allowed? 355. They're on pace to allow 1,154 <laughs> runs. Okay, over <laughs> under. They're pretty good. Nine, over under 99.5 runs allowed this year for the Oakland Athletics. Uh-huh. I I, I want to take the under because there's no way they allow over a thousand runs, but it's just it's the Oakland. So what is it? I'm gonna take the under. Are you taking the over? Oh, why not? The the just Pythagorean if they keep this place is a thousand one hundred and fifty four. That's a hundred and fifty one a hundred and fifty four runs that, that they have to be better. My question is, do you think they'll keep this pace, though, this, like, piss-poor pace? Or do you think they'll get hot for, like, a week or something? I don't – there's just no way they only win, like, 30 games. I just – I can't see it happening. Okay. What part of – especially their there's, pitching rotation inspires an ounce of hope? N- nothing. Nothing on the field. But I just – I physically find it impossible that they win 30 games to give up a 1,000 runs. Their third best – okay, guess what percentile their third best pitcher is in expected WOBA? Probably first. No, they, they actually don't have anyone in the first percentile. That's goaded. Uh, probably under the 50th percentile, I would assume. You have that correct. Okay. Uh, uh, 25th. Nah, the 39th percentile. They have four starting pitchers above the 20th percentile. Or four pitchers as a whole, sorry. They're pretty good, Brad. I I don't know. I think they're going to turn it around. They're going to go on a historic run. What? Shea Langoliers. 10-20? Fujinami, Cy Young, and Shea Langoliers, World Series MVP. Calling it right now. Fujinami has been an absolute disappointment. He doesn't have any control. He has zero control. He's in the third percentile for walks. They have a guy in the first, the second, and the third percentile for walks. Oh my god! Okay, I, need to I feel get bad for page. Oakland. We need to st- we need, we need stop to get off this page. I'm looking at their offense real quick. Oh, they I have feel, Brett Rucker, who's in the 96. I just feel ball. so bad for Oakland fans because not only do you have to watch this terrible team, but they're leaving in like two years. So, oh my god. They have two batters above the 25th percentile in expected Wopa. Who are they? Ryan Noda and Brent Rooker. Brent Rooker makes sense. That's it. Everyone else is 25th or below. So the real question is, what are they going to get for Brent Rooker? That's, that's what it comes down to. Oh, my God, man. Let's just look at Brent Rooker contract. Because he, he started to slow down a little season. bit. He signed it a. No, he's a he's a pre-arb guy. Oh, he is. I thought it was yeah. a one-year deal. He has at least three years of control. Okay. So this year he could probably two, get something. Like a second-round draft pick. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that'd be pretty Your interesting. Take. But it's also like, what team needs him? What team needs a you know, a just developed 
I want to say he's like 28, 28-year-old 28 outfield only who plays okay defense. Milwaukee, maybe? No. He's negative two outs above average this year. In... It feels like a Padre player, but like they don't need him. They need a lot right now. I'm trying, who's Texas's outfield? Adolis Garcia. No. Um. Roster resource. Love this thing right here. Adolis uh, Garcia, uh, Robbie Grossman, and Leody Tavares. They're not going to replace Tavares because he plays a really good center field. Do you see Grossman? Maybe. I just don't think. Bubba Thompson. What would you trade? Like, why would you trade for him? Is the I have thing. no idea. I was just trying to find a place for him. In all honesty, no, that's a, I completely get where you're trying to find. It's just like I don't think teams will spend on Guardians. Mm, maybe, and I think that would be someone that they try and go for like early in July, in June. Yeah, the I Guardians actually like probably that one. Be the best because they have no thump in their lineup, and their bats are not very good. No, no, they're not. I like that There's one. 21 and 26, a minus 31 hit. run differential. They've given up 198 runs and scored 167. Okay, let's also emphasize that's sixth best in the American League for runs allowed. They have also scored the second least behind the Detroit Tigers, who are the second place in the AL mid. Steph, do you have any final thoughts for today? Uh, I'm rooting for the Guardians on the way through. Uh, All right. I, I was looking. I was looking. I'm trying to find their schedule because I'm trying to see who who they have coming up. They got two more. Oh my god, what's going on? They got two more in Chicago against the White Sox. Then they go to St. Louis, Baltimore, Minnesota, Boston. How do you? I don't think they fare very well. They're not going to beat the Cardinals, who are red hot. They're not going to beat then, the Orioles. They got the and then Houston, the, then the Padres, Padres, then the Diamondbacks, then the Athletics in a and literal Astros. month. In a month. Yeah, it's not looking too hot. No. Poor Guardians. Oh my God. This is awful. Beginning in <laughs> July, they got the Cubs, the Braves, the Rangers, the Pirates, the Phillies. They've got two series versus the Royals. They might be out. The Guardian, the Guardians are going to be sellers at this year's deadline. What are they going to sell? Shane Bieber. Okay, I just wanted to see if he would say Bieber. Yeah, is that yeah. it? Just Bieber, Josh Bell. Uh he's under. He's getting paid sixteen million to suck. Hey, but he's doing his job. For real. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Guardians are bad. Uh, go Tigers. <laughs> well, that'll do it for this episode of the 4 Baseball Podcast. We appreciate you listening. If you have a joy, please consider leaving a rating or review, sharing this with a friend. We do appreciate all of it. All social medias will be in the link in the description below. If you want to interact at all, we do appreciate it. We'll see you all next time on the 4 Baseball Podcast. Peace. Steve!